There are a lot of horror stories about playing professionally overseas that guys will never talk about for fear of getting blackballed or not getting another job. But when do we start to think about the young guys coming after us? How do we prepare them to handle the situations that we were faced with? When does it become bigger than our own personal journeys? We show all the positives to get the social media popping with cool pictures and videos because more times than not, the experience is great. But let's educate and prepare. It's our time to do that since we definitely have the platform. We've got to show the good, the bad, and the ugly. These are words from 10-year pro Frank Robinson, whose skill and hard work have taken him to countries all around the world. From Slovenia to Germany, China, Israel, Poland, Ukraine, Greece, Turkey, Serbia, and Uruguay. I'm here with him at EPX Elite Performance, three days fresh off wrapping up his recent season in South Korea. Hey, can we do it off my back? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to <laughs> <laughs> Turn on real quick, though. Um, my name's Frank Robinson. I'm 33 years old. Can I uh, and you said, what got me into basketball? Yeah, like your first, what initially got you into basketball? My name is Frank Robinson. I'm 33 years old. Uh, my first experience with basketball was in the eighth grade. And uh, I was actually a football player at the time. And I got challenged to like a, a, like a dunk contest in the eighth grade on like the, the nine-foot court. And I remember like, this kid named Chris Hamilton was like the best basketball player in the school. He was like 6'2 already. And he was dunking and shit. I can curse. Yeah, you good, bro. Right. It's unfiltered, man. I'm just, it's, <laughs> so it's, he was dunking and shit. And, uh, and uh, you know, I I wanted to, you know, I was like, man, let me get in the contest. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I dunked on the nine foot court, not never really picking up a ball. Right. So then he challenged me in one on one. And he beat he beat me like bad, you know what I mean. And it was like, like for me, I've never really been a guy that take losses with mm-hmm. him. You know what I'm saying. So I like purposely went to the park for like I damn near the whole summer, and uh, <laughs> I came back in ninth grade, and uh, I got cut from the ninth grade team. But, like, now I'm obsessed with, like, learning how to play the game. You know what I'm saying? And I got cut, and then I went back to the coach, like, three weeks later and asked him if I could try out again. And, um, man, I made the team, and uh, I averaged 33 points a game as a freshman on the freshman team. And it was all off of, like, just being more athletic, faster, stronger than than everybody. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So... That summer, um, my high school coach, he uh, he he told me like you know like uh, you know you could be good if you really want to play basketball, you know. And it's, he said it's not just gonna be about playing. It's like a lot of stuff you have to do. Shout out Coach Dale Benjamin Dale, but um, he he was the first person that taught me how to like take responsibility and like and uh, make me earn everything. You know what I mean? So I got invited to the uh, the pump camp, West Coast camp, and uh, it was a $500 camp. I mean, I'm from Compton, and my grandma 
had foster kids and adopted kids. So we had a house with 11 kids in there. You know what I'm saying? So there was no extra bread running around. And uh, so my coach, man, he had me cutting grass at, in his, like, trailer park, like, where he lived at. And his neighbors, it was, like, on the Air Force base. So his neighbors would, like, pay me, like, $20 to cut their grass. And I did that, man, for, like, the whole summer. Ended up saving up, like, 1500 So I paid for my camp and some, you know what I'm saying? So I went to the camp. And, uh, man, that was the first time I was ranked. I didn't even know what that meant. You know what I mean? So it was like I went there, did what I had to do. Still didn't know nothing about the game. You know what I'm saying? It was just all off of natural ability. Um, and that's kind of that was kind of my first year in the game. Okay. Uh, my first year, my first experiences. And then that kind of, you know, that molded me. That was all I knew. You know what I'm saying? So the first experiences was earn what you get, work hard, and don't accept losing. You know what I'm saying? So it started off as lessons, and that's what was that's ha that has been embedded in me. I mean, he'll tell you like that's who I am. That's, that's you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, that was my first experience. Those are my first experiences. That's dope. So after, um, I guess that middle school going into like freshman high school, what was like your basketball timeline from high school till like now? Um. Well, you can be as detailed as you want. Nah, you like so I'm. I'm I'll, I'll like, talk to you. Yeah. Um, so my my sophomore year, uh, actually my freshman at the end of my freshman year, my the last game of the season, I dunked in the game, and everybody went crazy. You know what I'm saying? Because it was like, dude, like, like six one. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, ooh. <laughs> like what the hell? So I dunked, and the varsity team was sitting in the stands. They went nuts because you know you go freshman, JV, yeah. varsity. It's like everybody chilling. So like, man, my high school coach, the uh, the varsity coach, I was I, I went to the playoffs. I went to varsity for the playoffs, and like you talking about, I got cut two months before that. You know what I said, three months before that. So uh, he used me as an example repeatedly, man. So that summer, uh, going into my sophomore year, like I said, I went to the camp, and then when I was playing with the team, it's cool. I was playing with the team, and um, my athletic ability grew. And I was jumping higher. I was, like, it was to the point I was, like, low-key getting scared. Like, I was jumping and did, couldn't control it. I didn't know how to jump. <laughs> I'm dead ass, though. So, like, <laughs> I remember my first tip dunk, man. We in the summer league, and I dunked it, and it was like, yo, like, that's crazy. Like, it's stuff you see on TV. You know, I <laughs> my first basketball game I ever watched was – when Kobe threw the lob to Shaq against Portland in the oh, playoffs. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so I knew yeah. nothing, literally nothing yeah. about basketball. You know what I'm saying? So, like, everything I'm watching is from Gene Mavet, who played at Cal State Northridge. Okay. He was my, uh, like, basically the, my role model as far as basketball goes. That was the first person I saw play and work out every day in high school. So everything I'm watching is from him, and he wasn't doing that. He was doing, like, fast break dunks. He had the, like, cradles, but he wasn't, like, explosive off the two feet jumping, gotcha. catching tip dunks. So it was a different type of athleticism. And, like, I play football, so, like, that's a whole different mindset anyway. You know what I'm saying? So I was taking that type of activity to the court. And my sophomore year, I, I was uh, all-league. I was honorable mention all-state. Um, I averaged 15 and 10 as a sophomore. I still couldn't play basketball. Gotcha. You know, this I was just a raw, raw ability. Raw ability. Yeah. 
So now, you know, naturally, man, like all the schools, they start recruiting me. UCLA was the first letter. I had a handwritten letter from Steve Lavin. Uh, was my first letter I ever got. And then now, you know, the AU teams, everybody's like trying to get you and stuff. So like I, at this point, I'm at Little Rock High School deep in Palmdale. Okay. And um, man, they people start talking to me like, and I didn't have, I had my grandparents. My parents weren't in the picture. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. So my grandparents didn't know what was going on. And um, they're telling me like, man, you know, it's, you're not going to be able to maximize your, your potential here, right? So they talked me into transferring, and I moved. That's how I moved to the Valley. So my junior year, um, I moved to the Valley. Uh, I was I was supposed to go to Cleveland High School, and um, okay, it was supposed to, it was gonna be me, Nick Young, Alan McMillan, and I was gonna be like that. It was no way we was gonna lose with that team. No, no, um, no not that year. And then uh, we end up. I end up going to Chatsworth. Um, which is a whole, you know, a lot. It, it was a lot to do it, but yeah. whatever. So <laughs> I went to Chatsworth. <laughs> I went to Chatsworth, man. And the difference between Cleveland and Chatsworth is Cleveland has a magnet program, so I would have been eligible right away. Mm-hmm. Chatsworth doesn't. And who, the guy who was advising me, they they didn't fact check everything, and it kind of put me in a bad situation okay. to where I had to play JV. Now, a lot of people would look at that as like a bad thing and for me even during the time I knew like alright well at least I'm not getting thrown into the fire you know what I'm saying like I still don't know how to play basketball so my junior year I'm on JV I learned how to play the guard position Okay. so now it's so much freedom because I'm so much better than all these players instead of playing the 3-4 in high school I was able to play 1-2-3 on JV and I was able to, like, develop, you know, because I never had a developing stage. So um, I averaged 45 points a game that year. It's JV, it's, but it was 45 points a game. You take that that confidence anywhere in the world, you know what I'm saying, you're going to be okay. So I was able to to, uh, to use that going into the AU circuit, played well in the, uh, the Rockfish Spring League, got – all-star game, MVP, all this different stuff, man. It was, it was, yeah, he was on JV, but I had Henry Bibby in the stands for a JV game. You know what I'm saying? So it was an experience that I took, and I was a little cocky-ass kid, so it just helped me to be even more cocky, which led to how I played on the court. And it, I'll say that, and I'm not trying to be like, like it's good to be cocky, but it's a certain level of confidence you need to be successful. And... All that stuff, man, it just helped me to uh, to get to that next phase. And now that my senior year have comes and I'm at Chatsworth, we have a really good team, I get in a fight with one of my teammates. Unfortunately, I broke his jaw. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And um, I had to transfer. I, have, I mean, I was going to get kicked out of the school district. So I transferred out of the school district before they made – the ruling. I'm telling some shit that nobody knows yeah, right now. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, yeah, I don't care. I don't care. It's, but it's not. It's, it was. It was a. Uh, it was an experience, man. Where, you know, I knew I had. I was defending my teammate. The kid swung at me first, um, because of the severity of his injuries. I got in trouble. Of course. You know what I'm saying? And you know, it was. It was. At the end of the day, I don't take it back. You know what I'm saying? This kid was a bully. 
Um, and it was something that I, I don't, I just couldn't tolerate him continually to, to do this to my teammates. You know, his, yeah. and that was it. As a leader, as a captain, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted to win, and I knew unless somebody checked him, we weren't going to be a team. And that was it. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. I ended up getting, uh, I ended up transferring before I got expelled. I went back to Little Rock, uh, found out I wasn't going to be eligible for my senior year. And because of a loophole, I transferred back into the school district. And I was eligible, okay. but I went to a different school. So I went to Silmar High School. Um, so that's my third high school my senior year. Uh, graduated with honors, stayed on track with academics. Like, I wasn't a bad kid. I got into a, a messed up circumstance. Um, I think I was 26 in game my senior year. I was with uh, Lewis Darby. Darby. So, yeah, I mean, I that. Yeah. we was that was the next best thing to having me and Nick on the wings. You know what I'm saying? Our whole starting five made the all-star game. So, that just tells you how, like, talented that team yeah, was. Yeah. Um, and from there, man, I went to college. I went to prep school, actually, because after that fight, the people that didn't know me personally – Judged me, and I lost. I mean, I had a scholarship to Oregon. I lost my scholarship to Oregon because Ernie Kent was going through some stuff at the school, and he couldn't take another hit to the reputation of this program. All right, I understand that. I lost every scholarship. It got to the point where Cal State Northridge asked me to walk on. You know what I'm saying? So you go from high major Division One to like everybody trying to take advantage of the situation. So. Again, that's something that I never forgot. And when I'm trying to, like, educate and influence other players and young athletes, I remember these type of things. People take advantage of your situations. You know what I'm saying? So um, I make sure to, to tell, tell them that and let them know, like, man, everything you do has a consequence. You know what I mean? So uh, I ended up going to prep school in New England and it was kind of it was the way I was going to uh, fix my reputation Mm -hmm. if I can go away from school uh, across the country from California to Maine and and I play well have no problems man there's there's no way that people can say I'm a bad kid I went there I already graduated high school, so I didn't need that. I didn't need it academically. I still went to class. I graduated again from there with a 4.0. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't like people have problems with me. T- teachers didn't have issues with me. I'm, you know, I didn't have to go to study hall because I had my work done yeah. before. You shook the narrative, basically. Yeah. yeah. So um, I played great there, and mind you, uh, that's another uh, stigma with West Coast players. They can't last. In overseas, I mean not overseas, uh, back east and playing that style of basketball because we're soft. I was our best defensive player. I was our best three point shooter, and I, you know, again, I had a great coach in Ed Jones who who allowed me to play and and allowed me to grow um, on the court, and he taught me a lot. By the end of that year, I had offers from George Mason, I had offers from Georgia Tech, uh, Rhode Island, Virginia, and East Carolina from the east and then all my west coast schools came back but now I don't want to go back to the west coast you know what I'm saying I wanted to stay on the east coast my last three choices were George Mason and 
Georgia Tech and East Carolina. I didn't want to go to Georgia Tech because they had B.J. Elder and uh, 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 Muhammad, I forgot his name, the super athletic dude that was there, and then George Mason. I just felt like it was a mid-major, and me being young and not really knowing, I just I was like, it's too small of a school. I signed with East Carolina. They told me I was going to start as a freshman. We're in the Conference USA. We played Louisville, uh, Memphis. This one, the Conference USA had everybody, Cincinnati, everybody, Marquette. And um, uh, and um, and um, uh, after I signed, man, we played my freshman year. George Mason goes to the Final Four or the Elite Eight, and Georgia Tech goes to the yeah. Final Four. <laughs> so, like, oh. so it was like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you live and you learn. I had nobody helping me with these decisions. This is all me. Yeah. You know, eight, nobody else with experience that. Like, I had nobody, yeah. man. 17, 18, 19 year old kid, and all these decisions were all based on me you know it was a lot of pressure but bro it's i wouldn't be here now if i didn't make the decisions i made you know um i transferred from east carolina to fullerton uh i had uh my brother you know he he had sickle cell and i kind of wanted to be closer to him um and i was man i was young man like it ended up not being as serious as i thought and i transferred but Whatever you know, what I'm saying he's still he's still good and he's still yeah, good health yeah. now. But um, I wouldn't change that decision. I came home. I had an offer from USC. Henry Bibby got fired right before I signed it. Um, I did not want to go to to USC and play slow basketball. And I think that's when Tim Floyd got the job. And they, I know his style of play is very slow. So this is how I ended up at Fullerton. Bobby was my AU point guard. We work out together. Uh, in the summers, and he invites me to go play open gym with at Cal State Fullerton. I go to open gym. Next thing you know, I'm on an official visit or an unofficial visit. You know what I mean? I basically committed on site just because of the coach Burton and and the way everything was going. Um, and my I mean my college career. You know, it speaks for itself. We had a great time there. We won a lot of games. We have seven pros, you know what I'm saying? So they start calling us transfer tech because we had everybody from high major schools come in. But we did well. And then now, man, I'm in my 10th season. I just finished my 10th season. and uh, I was in South Korea in this last stint. And uh, everything in between was just a part of the story. That's dope, man. That's dope. That's dope. What was... If you had, like, advice to give, what was, like, your most difficult moment of your career? As a pro? Period. Yeah, as a pro. I would say as a pro. Um, uh, most difficult. Making the Atlanta Hawks and being cut the day of the first day of the, league, of the season because Jason Collins got hurt. That was hard. And it was something that... It was my second year out of school. It was something that it it forced me to kind of accept that uh, things that that happen around you can affect you, and it doesn't necessarily have to be something you did. You know, um, you can do everything the right way, and uh, and it can still go wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like. It wasn't it wasn't so hard from a standpoint of like financially because I went to the I went to China right after 
you know, so it wasn't like, oh my God, but it was like, damn, like I worked my, from the moment that I started playing basketball, the goal was to get to the NBA, right? And the first year out, the Atlanta Hawks signed me to training camp. And then I was the last cut. I went overseas, improved, came back a way better player, made the team and get cut on opening day because they needed a bit a big to replace their backup big. That was like devastating to me. You know what I'm saying? Because Atlanta's where I wanted to be. Um and um I had to learn from that. It was just a lesson that that kinda uh made me step back and realize like everything not about you personally. You know what I'm saying? So besides that, I mean tearing my ACL at thirty one, that was tough. But it also prepared me for um it also prepared me for for like starting to think about like post basketball. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And I've always been the guy my whole career that focused on that focused on uh making sure I wasn't one of the guys that fell under the statistics of being broke or, or not having nothing prepared for after you retire. But like when I was I mean, Terry AC at 31, I had just signed the second biggest contract of my career, and it just so happened not to be guaranteed. You know what I'm saying? So I got hurt in training camp, and I had just made some investments um, uh, into, like, two companies. Mm -hmm. And, like, you talking about, like, now I'm hurt for at least a year. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the investments are cool, but... That's not something that's it's not going, like instant, like, yeah. You, you know what I'm like, saying? Yeah. Like I just that that one of the investments just now, we just now signed a franchising deal, but that's two years ago. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, so it had to develop. So yeah. over that time, I had to learn. I had to like not learn. I had to yeah. I had to learn how to like save money, and I had to learn how to make uh make moves, man. Without without basketball, for the first time in my life. It wasn't a check from basketball coming in. And, I mean, I'm still here. I survived. But it was something. It was another lesson. And it was hard at first. But we made it work. So those two things. And then I turned that into a goal, just like everything else I've done. I tore my ACL in Korea. I wanted to – my goal was to get back to Korea. Like, that's one of the hardest leagues to get into. There's only 10 teams. There's only 20 spots Damn. in that market. And to oh, be, for each for each uh, uh, import, like on every team, there's two imports on, on each every team. team. Yeah. So you're talking about 20 guys getting a job there. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. one of the highest, uh, the, one of the best markets to play in right now, due to the the lack of money in Europe. You know what I'm saying? So for me to tear my ACL and, and two years later get back there, that was something that it was a goal of mine, and I accomplished it. So that's dope. What would be your most memorable moment? It's like on a more positive note. Uh, man, winning my my championship, my senior year of college is probably uh, my senior year of college was probably my 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 most memorable mo moment, man. Like we we won the championship, obviously. Uh, that was like a real brotherhood, man. Um, and after that, playing for Partizan um, as a rookie. I played for Ljubljana, and my first game was in Belgrade, Serbia. 
and I wanted to play for. I was like, after I played them and seeing the crowd and seeing like how much they love the game and like how much the like that culture is just obsessed with basketball and playing basketball the right way. It was something I knew I had to play. I had to play there, and I, and I end up another thing after my ACL. I got the opportunity to play there, so um, going into last season, my ninth year at thirty-two. Another one of my goals was met, one of my main goals. So that was it. That was it. We, we had, we, I mean, they were struggling for like six years, man. We came and I think we won 50 games. You know what I'm saying? We didn't win our titles, but we won a lot. And that was one, that's the, that was the last team that you played for. They I came last full year. circle and they just recently won. They won the cup. The yeah, cup yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Okay. What advice would you give your younger self if you could look back? I wouldn't change nothing. I wouldn't change. Nothing. We talk about this all the time. So I you would just you would let it play out exactly the same. I mean, I think everything that happened in my career was something to influence somebody else. You know what I'm saying? So I, I did everything that I felt was right. I don't regret any moves that I made. You know what I'm saying? Like for the last five years, I've I've pretty much taking my career into my own hands. I haven't had a, a, a primary agent in five years, and I've had every job that I wanted pretty much. You know what I'm saying? So even as a younger me, I did everything right. I went to work. I was professional. I was the hardest worker there. I was prepared for every game, and everything played out like it, was, like it, it, it could. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't change any decisions that I made. Um, at all, to be honest, so. Well, that's real. Not a lot of people can say that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just like the lessons. My, I, and I talk about this a lot with my friends. My career, the only reason I didn't stick in the NBA is because it wasn't meant for me. There's nobody that has played against me that can say he's not, a, he wasn't, or he wasn't, I'm older now. He wasn't an NBA player, you know what I'm saying? When you have guys that, like, like I remember John Wall, and he, I don't think you know, I, I heard him. We're playing one-on-one, and after we're done, I heard him ask our trainer, like, yo, why he's not in the league? When you have that type of, like, reputation amongst the players, I don't need validation from the viewers. I don't need validation from the, the fans or anybody else. Like, anybody that's played against me know I, I'm a problem. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's all I really needed. The goal was to make the NBA. I made it. I got cut the next day. So now we talked about three different goals that I had in life. And they all were accomplished. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, what can I – I've made money for 10 years playing this game. You know what I'm saying? Like, financially, I've never depended on money from basketball. So, like, I, I was always aware that I would make the majority of my financial – uh, stability or my financial stability would be dependent on what I did after the game, not during. And I've seen people play 15 years in the league and have nothing to show for it. So I never wanted to to uh, let that be something that that defined me. That's you know dope. what I'm saying? So, yeah. like I said, my career was never about me personally. It was about the guys coming after me and what can I give to them and what can I show them. That's so. one of the biggest things I noticed, man. If you could sum up your career in one word, what would it be? That's a good one. Yeah. Um, in one word, survival. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Survival. Um, it was that's all this is, bro. Like like you talk about the goal when I was young was to get to the league. The goal now is to get overseas for these young guys. Yeah. That's crazy. You talking about I'm 33 competing with 23, 24, 25 year old guys who were just as athletic as I was, right? They don't know the game yet. So I take advantage of that. My reputation stands. I take advantage of that. I was always known as a professional guy, a winner. As long as I say, what what do you say now? I'm probably 70% as athletic as I was. Based off how you play and everything? Yeah. 75, I still have 75, 80% after two ACL tears and 33 years old. So that's why I'm in here now, three days after my, five days after my season ended. You know what I'm saying? So I'm aware of like, you have to stay relevant by your play and what you do off the court. And you have to stay physically fit because whenever, you never know when that call is going to be made. You got to leave at any moment. And if you show up out of shape, you're gone. Or if you show up not prepared at any moment, it's a wrap because that travels. And that next kid is going to come up. You know what I'm saying? I don't ever want to be the guy that if I don't got it no more, that I'm sticking around and I'm taking money out of another young guy's pocket. But as long as I still got it, I'm going to take advantage of that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's survival. It's survival. And as long as I love it, I know somebody else is going to try to take it from me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So... That's it. It's That's survival. Yeah. Um, what does LA basketball mean to you? Like, what's the definition of LA basketball? To you? Um, because we have a bad rep of like being soft in some place that we go to, and there's very few guys that can stand out based off like reputation yeah. or where they play and stuff like that. You know, you know, it's funny, man. Like, I think, I think it shifted. Um, I think for a long time, yeah, we were considered uh, soft. I think we were considered the most skilled, um, one of the most athletic. But, you know, the South had the athletic and the tough because of their background in the football and all that stuff. But I think it shifted with the the uh, the um, the growth of the Drew League and with Dino Smiley, Baron Davis, yep. the guys behind the scenes, Alvin Stafford, um, Gian Allen, all these guys and what they've done for, for the Drew League, man. Even uh, Chanel, I don't want to leave her out. And all the coaches that's been involved with it, I mean – I don't know, man. Every time I go somewhere, somebody's like, yo, can I play with you in the Drew? Can I come in the Drew? And a lot of guys come in, and they not they, they realize it's not, it ain't for everybody. it's not for everybody. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's shifting, man. You can't, you can't tell me somebody walks in that gym, sees how we play, gets in the game, and leaves having the same thoughts that they had before they came. And, and I, I think it's a lot more hard-nosed players from L.A. now than it was before also. So... Uh, for me personally, what it is is it, 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 it now what it's shifting to. I feel like it's a it's a mode of who I am. You know what I'm saying? Like the hardworking, um, understanding that it's it's a game of survival. Uh, you got to be true to it. I think a lot of guys understand now that like if you don't put in the work, you won't get what you what you want out of it, and mm-hmm. and the game rewards you for what you put into it. So it. L.A. basketball to me, man, is everything. You know what I mean, and I think I've 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 paid a lot of dues to it, and I've I've given back, and I've tried to, and I will continue to, um, just because I know like 
whatever you put in, it comes back to you. You know what I'm saying? And I want to see the young guys. I want to see them succeed. And I want I want everybody to avoid the mistakes that that I've seen a lot of guys make, even myself. You know what I'm saying? So that's all it is. That's the whole goal of what I'm trying to do, man. Right. What? This is probably the last question before I'm just going to be like going back and forth regular. Um, what do you think the biggest difference between like NBA guys and overseas guys? Because there's a certain, I guess, perception that like the NBA is like the end road, and if you're not good enough to play there, then like well, there's no point. There's there's different levels of overseas. Yeah, yeah, you know definitely. what I'm saying? So like the levels like. Bobby Brown, mm-hmm. um, myself, uh, let me another overseas, Dejon Thompson, a Brandon Heath, a Pooh Jetter, like these guys, we play at, at a very high level. And at any moment, like if there was a better uh, system that could kind of like put players from overseas to the NBA immediately, I think a lot of us would have got called up. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of guys in the NBA and no knock on them that can't play basketball. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of it is opportunity and, and their physical makeup. Overseas, you have to know how to play basketball at that level. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about, like, high-level basketball. There's guys that go to the mid-level overseas games, and they can't play basketball, and they can't survive, and they get sent home. But they can come to the NBA and sit on the bench. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So... When I, like I told you before, I don't regret anything. I got cut from Atlanta, and they they wanted me to stay on their D-League team until Jason got healthy, and I turned it down because I knew I would be, like, the fifth guard off the bench. Now, if I'm that for two years, right, what is my value overseas? Right? Yeah. So – not to bring up Mario Little, he was the guy that the first year that they kept. Mm-hmm. And then he stayed on the bench in the league for three, four years. Mm-hmm. He went overseas after that, and he never really fulfilled his full potential mm-hmm. as a player. Mario was nice as hell, mm-hmm. super athletic, played D, understood the game. But he just never got the opportunity because of the perception of he was on the bench. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So... um there's really no drop off. Sometimes the overseas players are better. It's just about opportunity. That's where the disconnect is. It's just a matter of opportunity and being ready when that opportunity comes. From high school to college and college to becoming a hopeful pro, there are expectations to be met in order to move on to the bigger stage. So I asked Frank what he thought it took to be a pro and what coaches look for. What he gave me was worth way more than what I expected. Put it like this, like, a lot of guys go overseas and they think they got to get theirs. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's about points, points, points. Man, teams want winners. You know what I'm saying? In my career, I've been top 10 in scoring twice. Only two times. I played every level that you could think of. You know what I'm saying? I was top five in scoring in the Euro Cup and we didn't advance. I played in Greece the following year for less money. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's about winning. It's always about winning. I was a year, I was uh, the third leading scorer on my team and went to EuroLeague the following year because we won. So, like, the, the mindset of guys, they have to understand. It's, you have to know how to play the game. 
you can't just get it's not just about buckets. Everybody can score at this level. It's about winning and knowing how to play the game, understanding reads for your position. If you're a guard, you have to know how to play pick and roll. You have to know how to shoot. You have to know how to pass. If you're a, a slasher, you have to be aggressive defensively. You know what I'm saying? So that's just like the, the final touch on, on trying to stay relevant and having longevity in the game. Just understanding that it's not just about points. Thanks for taking the time to listen. If you have someone in mind that has a story that you think should be heard, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the game behind the game and leave us a message. If you have any questions or comments, email us at gamebehindthegame@gmail.com. at gmail.com. In the meantime, help spread the word to anyone that you think may enjoy and or benefit from this podcast. And if you haven't yet, go to either Apple or Spotify podcast to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Your input and experiences are what keep us going.